welcome to Aspire. I'm your host, Gregory Penn. This song, this radio program is for Sunday, April the 10th, 2016. I'm very grateful to be with you. I really am. We're going to talk about what happens when. And these are questions I have received over the past year or so. Sometimes I save them for a special series or, to be honest with you, I haven't figured out what that series is going to be yet. And then when I do, there they are. So, here are some answers to questions that have been put to me by listeners and viewers of my uh, TV program, my radio program here. And I want to remind you, of course, that these programs are only here out of the kindness the compassion and the generosity, the unconscionable generosity of my sponsors. Without them, none of this would be here. You would not be watching this on our new website at aspire.org. You would not be seeing a lot of things. I would not be able to make hospice calls, hospital calls, and do my work if it were not for the kind generosity of these people. Your gift to Aspire goes way beyond what you might think. And most people don't have that kind of vision. They can't fathom how much the world needs uh, this kind of work. If you're one of those very rare people who sees the value of what's going on here and can understand the value of what it means to those who are dying and sick, uh, those who are seeking the way as you might be, I hope you will become a sponsor and help us sustain this radio and our television programs that we offer here on Aspire. It's very, very important. I can't thank my sponsors enough, and I hope you will become a sponsor, a monthly or quarterly. And for your sponsorship, you'll receive the message of the month each and every month. You'll have access to my commentaries, podcasts, and videocasts. And as a way of thanking you for your kindness, you will be able to download the new Be Attitudes that I have made uh, so uh, you can kind of go along with the TV programs that are going to be offered here uh, in the very near future and will be on YouTube as well as here on our Aspire website. So much for your gift. You have no idea the beauty of it all, and maybe it's better you don't, but I hope you will be generous and kind and help us. It's a rare person that can give a gift these days. When I was a young whippersnapper, um, there were lots of people who wanted to help. Uh, They have died out, and uh, the new generation has taken over the millennials, the X generation. They weren't taught to give. They just weren't. So they don't know how to give or what it's all about. It's kind of a sad situation we put ourselves in. But less than none, and nonetheless, I hope you will help. So I put together some questions from people who would say to me, what happens when or what if I do this and that kind of thing. Um, People are always looking for answers to questions. They have no capacity for understanding. I get this all the time. So I thought it would be fun and maybe helpful to a few of you, some of you, to uh, listen to answers from people who were asking me questions who may or may not 
um, probably not uh, able to really understand the scope of their question, much less the scope of the answer. But they are ve- they could be very helpful, these answers, to those of you who are seeking the way inside. So here we go. First one's from Ogden. He does not tell me where he lives. What happens when I hate people that have hurt me? It seems justified, Ogden. Hate never yet dispelled hate, as the Buddha said. Only love dispels hate. Ogden, this is a very important question you have asked. And it is certainly natural for the genetic heart to hate, to become hateful. Remember, the genetic heart is your ancestry, all of them. Every single one of these people that make up your family long before you entered into your body, they are the architect of your humanness, your human body, and they exist within your body. They congregate emotions within you, creating influences and impulses, urges, And one of the basic urges that human beings have is this urge to hate those who have hurt us. Vengeance is big. You put a movie out there where somebody um, that is a quote-unquote bad guy gets his, and everybody loves it. Everybody thinks of it as, wow, this is wonderful. Uh, You know, God gets those who get them and that kind of thing. People love vengeance. It affiliates us with pride and a sense of control over our life. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't work like that. And movies are movies. And they're aimed, built, and bent to sell tickets. That's what it's all about. So you ask me. What happens when I hate people that have hurt me? You hurt yourself. You have caused yourself a great deal of misery, karma. You may not feel it right now, but let me tell you how it might work. At least this is how I've found it in my own life. When I have hated those who have hurt me, I have denied myself the absolute spiritual blessing of forgiving them. When I don't forgive them, then I am not forgiven for the trespasses I have made in my life towards other people. I have gained nothing. I have done nothing noble. Nothing of any beauty or substance has happened. I have just become like anyone else, a hooligan, as I like to call it, who goes out into the world and continues his own mischief. And then one day I'm going to be at the, so to speak, um, mercy or the mercilessness of someone else. Mm, And I'm going to wonder, why did this happen to me? I don't get it. I haven't done anything. And I like to believe that, you know, of course, my poop don't stink. Everybody loves to think that. And then we can't correlate the idea that what we did uh, when we didn't forgive someone who hurt us is now in front of us. And we just keep that kind of stuff going. 
We never really heal it. We never really change anything. We never really mature. True forgiveness is a sense of maturity. True forgiveness is essential in our life, in our karma. Another form that this can take is that I'm unable to understand. Understand the things that would liberate me, set me free. When I hold resentment towards you for something you have done to me, something I believe you've done to me, I put into motion my ignorance. I increase my ignorance. I increase my ignorance through my pride, my vanity, my hubris. And I just keep this kind of stuff going on and on and on. I never question it. I never think about, you know, how this is affecting me, how it might harm me. I just keep it going. And I never, ever really care about the idea of maturing into love or having a sense of great love within me. So this kind of sorrow and pain keeps growing in me. And pretty soon I find more and more not to be forgiving about. And I don't. And then I start to becoming pedestrian more and more and more until... I'm no longer interested in anything spiritual. I'm no longer interested even in my liberation. I think, well, you know, liberation is money. Liberation is what uh, your friends say about you or your mate or your family. And they're the ones that are your greatest enemy, according to Jesus. So you start to see these things manifesting in your life where it becomes easier and easier to be cold hearted towards people. You know, there are people, Ogden, in your life right now who have hurt you, who wish they hadn't. They are people who are deeply sorry for what they have said and done in your life. I know they're there. I am one of those people, too, who has hurt other people. And I am deeply sorry about it. But there is nothing I can do because they will not forgive. They will not give. They, most of the time, these people won't, you know, we've lost them in the world. We don't know where they are. So we just keep this kind of garbage going inside of us. And it keeps working on our psyche. And before you know it, we don't know it. We can't realize it. But we have a whole army full of people in the background of us who are very, very angry at us, and we just don't see the light of day in all of this. We just keep it all going. Ogden, forgive those who have despitefully used you. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Really, they don't. How do you forgive them? It's a lifestyle, Ogden. I have spent years trying to explain this to the public to very little avail. I've spent years trying to explain it to my students to very little avail because they all enjoy hate so much. You would be surprised how you enjoy hate and have rationalized the evil of your hate. And that is our personal work. We have to work upon that and see it for what it is and then ultimately maybe change it. Most people don't, Ogden. I hope you do. I really do. And if you ever need any help, I'm here. Thank you for your beautiful question. Please forgive me. Namaste.
There's this myth that we have that we should go through life if we're a good person and never be hurt. That's just not true. We have done so many clumsy things in our life. We've been accused of things before we were able to even understand what we did. So a lot of it is just speculation and sorrow turns to sludge inside of us, and that can be very painful. Next one comes from Kay, and Kay writes us quite often. I like Kay. She lives in Los Angeles. What happens when I want what I don't have? You talk about this a great deal, Kay. When I want what I don't have, I am not grateful for what I do have. When I want what's out of my control, I lose a sense of appreciation for what's in my life, period. Just right here. The worst thing that happens to people in this world is that they can't realize or they don't choose to realize how absolutely beautiful they are, how absolutely loving they are. They can't realize it because they're too busy wanting more than what they have now. We have a saying in Zen, it is very true, I did TV programs on this, want what's happening now. Now, if you can do that, if you can want what's happening now, you will have a deep change in your life. Now, when I say a deep change in your life, you think I'm talking about your outer life. And it can show up there. I'm not going to say it can't, but that's not the change I'm talking about. When I want what's happening now, I change the ebb and flow of my entire life. I change the way in which I flow in my heart. In fact, I can put my spiritual heart first and then my genetic heart, well, it can stay in the background where it belongs. I will start to see things for the way they are and as they are. Most of us don't have a clue about what the heck we're doing in our life, in our living When we want something we don't have, we miss the fact that there is something else trying to happen to us. We're afraid of what that something else is because we assume it is not good or right or it's bad. It's an assumption. We go into assumption very quickly about it. And we don't recognize our karma's in play. Constantly, our karma is in play. And as it is in play, as it goes on in our life, it dictates to us exactly what is happening now and what is going to happen, not because we are evil or bad or we've done terrible things or any of that. It's about recognizing the meaning and the significance of our life. Karma is the significance of your life and mine. It guides us. It's a beauty. It's it's the touch of love. 
Now, I can turn that into anything I want. And if I turn it into something ugly, if I turn it into something bad, quote unquote, then I start creating duality in my life. The worst thing we can do is turn anything into an interpretation of right and wrong and good and bad. And the more we do that, of course, the more we misunderstand our life, the more we misunderstand our life, the more we miss our life. And the more we miss our life, of course, you know what happens there. We start to interpret everything according to the manner of right and wrong, good and bad, our duality again. And that's where we stay. And in that duality, I become dull, ignorant, and resentful. So what happens when I want what I don't have? I become jealous. I become envious. I become vindictive. And in the background, everything I do, I do for the sake of getting what I want. And when I'm doing that, when I'm trying to do everything I want, I become ugly. There is nothing uglier than that in my life. Nothing. I create so much sorrow, so much pain. I don't know what I'm doing. Again, I say to you, we know not what we do, but we continue to do it anyway because we are genetically predisposed to our emotionality because that's where we have gone all the time to break that spell, to break that bond, to go beyond this, that, and the other. To go beyond my common thought is a very important thing to do. It's a very important thing to do. I have to want love more than wanting what I think is love. And should I appreciate that? Should I do that? Should I be willing of that? I change the essence of my life. The very essence of it. Most people are only interested in the circumstances of their own condition. They have created these conditions out of hate and fear, out of lack, out of wanting more than what is happening now, out of distrust for their own life, out of distrust for love. So they go out into the world and they try to make it on their own, make it happen. But when I make it happen in that way, I lose what is happening now. There is no spontaneity. There's no beauty. There's no moment-to-momentness. I am just creating what I create. And as I create what I create, I lose what I am. People don't trust in love. They just want it. People don't trust in compassion. So they live in hate and fear. They're driven. Driven to get what they want when they want as they want it. And of course that causes more karma. There is a destiny that you and I are here to fulfill. There is a fate we are to meet that will allow us to fulfill our destiny. We get a shot at it here and there in our life. And to miss it is tragic, utterly tragic. So 
Okay. What happens when I want what I don't have? You miss your fate. You miss your destiny. And you misunderstand your karma. And we've all done it. From time to time, it is really good to check in within and ask yourself, what is it about me that is making my life the way it appears to be? Just look at it and want nothing with all of your heart, Kay. Please forgive me. Namaste. She asks a great question. She is, she always does. She's very um, astute. Okay, the last question comes from Jack. I don't know where he lives. What happens when I do not love my enemy? Jack. When I do not love my enemy, I miss loving myself. Now, this loving myself is crazy, and I use that in tongue-in-cheek. The quote from Jesus is, to love your enemy as yourself. But he was not talking about the human self. He, he is doing a quote-unquote metaphysical kind of thing here, and it is to be not taken literally. When I don't love my enemy, I can't recognize what I'm doing. What reward have we, as he said, when we only love them that love us? We have no reward. It's easy to do that. But to love your enemy? To love your enemy and to take them inside you and to be grateful for them, to be compassionate towards them, to be generous towards them. I've always said, you know, at Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of that, that it really should be a time when we give to the people that we least like, not the ones we most like, the ones we least like, to be kind, to build some sort of inner awakening and bridge towards those who would be and we would call our enemies. And everybody has enemies. I have them, you have them, Jesus had them, Buddha had them. And typically, a lot of those enemies are people in your own family. <laughs> people don't want to believe that. The masses, the pedestrian mentality just can't go there. But it is true, because I sit in counseling day after day after day and listening to it all. Remember, your family, they're just people like anyone else in this world. And just because they're your family doesn't make them special. People are people. To love your enemy is to set yourself free. It is to remove yourself from your genetic disposition because when you and I truly love and forgive another person, we can't do it out of our humanness, out of our genetic disposition, our DNA. can't be done. It means my lifestyle has changed. It means I must change my lifestyle inwardly. I must see it for what it is and then do something about it. Forgiving them doesn't mean that I ask them back into my life. 
It doesn't mean that I greet them at the door and say, come in and create more havoc in my living. No, it has nothing to do with that. I would never ask you to do that. I would never do that. But it is to see what it is in me that made them possible. What is it about Gregory that made this person possible? And then to thank them for being the way shower they they are about myself and then to change the way I live from within myself so I don't keep doing that anymore. And that's the hard part because everyone likes to keep doing what they do. They like doing what they do. And it makes things very, very ugly. So, Jack, you have to ask yourself, what is it about me that won't forgive? And should you ever truly understand that? Should you ever truly live that, have a sense of it? Much will happen. I hope that helps you. It's a very important question. It's a very beautiful question. And thank you for the honor of giving it to me. It, uh, it was my coup de gras, as it were, uh, for this particular um, Aspire. Thank you very much. Please forgive me. Namaste. If you have a comment, a question, or something I might be of service to you, please come to the website here at aspire.org. You'll see contact. Just click on it and send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful weekend. And may all of this serve you very well. Please forgive me. Namaste. Namaste.